Here's another Bible study from Calvary Chapel, Rochester. Um, this morning, we're actually going to be going to the New Testament. We're going to be studying the book of Titus. And so that's where we're at this morning. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Titus, um, that's where we'll be. So, Titus, let's start with verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. So this is how Paul typically titled, you know, he starts his epistles with a greeting and this is his greeting and he gives his name or his title and this was Paul's calling. He was a bondservant and an apostle. And the end result of his calling is what he says here uh, further on in verse 1. According, and that word according, you could actually kind of substitute with a view to or for the purpose of. So uh, with the purpose of or according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth according or with a view to godliness. In other words, the purpose or the result of, God, of, of Paul's calling, his goal, his purpose was to bring sinners to salvation in Jesus Christ through faith in Christ. God's elect that are mentioned there, they are those who respond to the gospel and are saved. And Paul had another goal. Not only was he wanting to bring sinners to salvation, but to instruct sinners how to live their life. And that's where the acknowledgement of the truth comes in. The acknowledgement of the truth is the instruction in truth. It's uh, which the instruction of truth is what gives the saints, those that come to faith in Christ, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of what God has done for them. But the word that's used here is not just a, just a know things, because you know some people, I know about God, or I know that Jesus died on the cross, or something like that. It's not simply a static knowledge, it's a dynamic knowledge. It's an increasing, ongoing knowledge. And that comes through reading the Word of God. That's why we push reading the Word of God so much here at Calvary Chapel, Rochester, that's how you're going to grow in your walk. And it's not even just reading and the teaching of God's word, but it's the applying of God's word where the growth happens. And so this was Paul's goal. This was his purpose. Verse 2, he says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. You just think about that. Before time began, before history, before human race began, God had already established a plan of salvation in eternity past. The hope of eternal life is something God promised before time began, and I love it. God cannot lie. He doesn't lie. That promise is still valid for you and I today. To me, that's mind-blowing, if you think about it. In eternity past, before you or I ever were ever, or anybody ever was ever, <laughs> in eternity past, God already had a plan of salvation for you and for I to come to faith to him so that we could spend eternity future with him. It's just, it just it boggles the mind when you think about it. Well, that plan is revealed in time, in our, in our time domain, space and time, by the revealing of the gospel. And that was Paul's call. Paul's call was to preach the gospel by the command of God. 
And in order to reach the goal, he did that in order to reach the goal of seeing sinners coming to faith in Christ and growing in godliness through the acknowledgement of the truth. So Paul was called to be a bondservant and an apostle. Now, what is an apostle? An apostle is really, it's a delegate or an ambassador. If you have any idea of concept of politics, what an ambassador is, it really literally could be just translated, he that is sent. That's what an apostle was. And if you look at the life of Paul through the book of Acts and in his epistles, Paul was sent by God throughout the Roman Empire to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's what an apostle is. Well, what is a bondservant? A bondservant is that Greek word that Paul uses, a doulos. And what that is, it's a very low slave, but it's not just a slave. In fact, the Roman Empire had tons of slaves. A lot, large proportion of, of the people in the Roman Empire were slaves at this time. And so Paul calls himself a slave, but it's a, a bondservant was a slave by choice. Someone who chose to be a slave who was completely surrendered to their master. And the concept for a bondservant goes all the way back into the Old Testament to the book of Exodus. I'm going to read uh, out of Exodus chapter 21 to you, the first six verses. It says, Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years. And then the seventh, he shall go out free and pay nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife, and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, I love my wife and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to the judges, he shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. So he'd have a ring in his ear that identify him of being a bondservant. So a bondservant was a former slave who chooses to voluntarily to be a slave forever for his master, to his master. That's what Paul was. Paul, and if you think about Paul, you know, when he gives his credentials in some of his letters, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was tutored by the celebrated Rabbi Gamaliel, who was very popular, very famous, very venerated at that time. And though he was a Jew, evidently his father was a Roman citizen. Now, how did he obtain his citizenship? The Bible doesn't tell us. Um, he could have been, it could have been bought. There's a, you could become a Roman citizen by buying your citizenship. It would be very spendy, very expensive. It could be won. You could, if, you, if you did something like in a battle, you did something really distinguished, um, you could obtain a citizenship through your service. It could be acquired in several other ways. But in any event, Paul was being born to a Roman citizen. He was a Roman citizen. He was a born Roman citizen. And to be a born Roman citizen meant that you were, they called them being freeborn. And with it, man, there's a valuable privilege of being a born Roman citizen. It was very, it was very, uh, 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 it was a high privilege to be that. And so that's Paul. And yet Paul chooses to make himself a voluntary slave, a bondservant of God in Jesus Christ. He, he, it's like he's setting aside that 
and he's becoming a bond servant, a slave for Jesus. You know, think about that. You and I, we live in a free nation, right? The land of the free, the home of the brave, right? And uh, we've been, I don't know about you, but we've been watching those freedoms just eroding over time. And it seems like it's going faster and faster. Those things that we once cherished, it's like they're slipping away. And, And for some of us that have grown up and we've lived here many years and stuff, it's hard to see. It's hard to watch what we once knew we were free of. You know, we had the freedom. And now those things are going away. Like Paul, though, regardless of your status of being a free United States citizen, American, or whatever free freedom you have, you this morning can choose to be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. We all can. So the question is, are you a bondservant of Jesus Christ? And I might take a poll. I'm not going to do that. But I could go around the room and say, are you a bondservant of Jesus Christ? I would bet, I would imagine most of us here would say yes. Or, I, I, you know, that's my goal. Or, yeah, you know, I want to be that. Well, what does a bondservant look like? I said it was a slave, right? It was a willing slave. Okay, what, is a willing, what does that look like in real life for you and I this morning? What does that look like? Well... We could look at the life of Paul and get a pretty good idea of what a bond slave is. If we go through the book of Acts, we read all these letters and his epistles, we could get a pretty accurate picture. In many studies, many pastors have done that. They've done a study on Paul on how to be a bond servant. Paul was a great scholar. He wrote most of the New Testament. He was a great preacher. He led many people, multiple thousands of people to the Lord. And he was a missionary. And he traveled all over the world, all over the Roman Empire. Um, you know, that, and so we look at his life, but you're probably thinking, well, shoot, that's not me. I'm not a great scholar. I'm not a, I'm not a good preacher. I barely led hardly anybody to the Lord. I, I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't have the gift of evangelism, you might say. Or, or, you know, I'm not a missionary. I'm a plumber here in Rochester. This is my job. So, so it's just, it just seems like I can't, I can't, I can't put myself... You know, and in in look at Paul and go, well, okay, that's what a bondservant is, so that's what I'm going to be. Well, Paul wasn't the only bondservant in the New Testament. Paul wasn't the only person that was sent somewhere. Titus was a bondservant. And though he was not one of the 12 apostles, in the sense of being sent, Titus was an apostle. He was sent on missions. He was sent to places. And this morning... What I want to do is I want to look at what a bondservant looks like just by looking at the life of Titus. Because I really firmly believe Titus was a bondservant. As we go through this passage of scriptures and some different scriptures, I think you'll see that. And so verse 4, Paul gives his, his, uh, his greeting or his announcement, and now it's to who the letter is uh, directed to, verse 4. To Titus, a true son in our common faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Verse 5, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Crete is also the island known as Candia. It's in the Mediterranean Sea. It's the same island where, if you read in the book of Acts in chapter 27, Paul on his way to Rome as a prisoner, um, they're, they're traveling and it's late season. The storms are starting to, to rise up in the winter. And so they're heading to Crete and they're trying to, to land at a port called Fair Havens. 
and it was a small hick town basically and and it wasn't the best port for you know uh, sheltering for the storm and so the Romans soldiers they didn't want to go there so they wanted to go to another port named Phoenix it's about 40 miles away from where this fair havens was and so they headed over there but during the time and you can read it in Acts 27 a big storm came up and it's called a Eurocliton I don't know if I pronounced it right but it's a typical storm that happens that time of the year and it basically drove them by they just were basically at the mercy of the winds and the and the storm and the, the storm carried them across the Mediterranean to the island of Malta where they ran aground and you can read about that in in the book of Acts so but this is the island the Crete that they were trying to head to uh, if you read it in Acts chapter 27 we also know from Acts chapter 2 verse 11 that there were members people from Crete they're called Cretans um, that were there at Pentecost they were in Jerusalem at the time of the feast of Pentecost who were there when uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the, on the disciples gathered there. It's possible, we're, we don't really know from scriptures, but it's possible that some of them became believers in Jesus Christ at Jerusalem. But in, in whatever the event, if you look at verse 5, it's evident that the Apostle Paul and Titus had spent time at Crete, and then by this time, as Paul's writing this epistle, there were churches on the island at different cities uh, in Crete. And then Paul obviously departed Crete, but he left Titus there to continue the work of the ministry. And so Paul and Titus are there, evidently. I mean, you can kind of infer that from the scriptures there. And people are coming to faith. They're starting, you know, churches are starting up. And then Paul leaves. And uh, he says, Titus, I've, I've left you here. Well, anyways, he didn't say that. I don't know if he said that, but... Um, after Paul left, maybe things got a little, you know, Titus had some questions. You know, most of the New Testament epistles, they're basically an answer to a question that Paul received. Hey, Paul, we've got this issue going on at our church. What do we do about it? And so Paul writes an epistle, and that's what most of the New Testament are, these epistles, these letters. And so Paul, maybe he got a letter from Titus. You know, Paul, I've got these issues at Crete. What do I do about it? Or maybe he had heard some news about what was going on at Crete. And it, whatever the case was, Paul penned this epistle that we're looking at this morning. It was instructions for Titus to follow. Uh, and this epistle, you know, the ones that Paul wrote, he didn't just, he, he wrote them to individuals or to churches, but whatever he wrote, it was intended for the people at those churches. It would be read to the people. It wasn't just to one individual, like a private letter. It was to be read in churches. They were to just pass them around and share them around. And so uh, it would be read aloud in the churches. And it also served as a basis for Titus's authority to do the things that Paul wanted to do. Because, hey, Titus is, you know, he could go back to the letter. Hey, this is what Paul the Apostle is telling me to do. And therefore, this is why I'm doing the things I'm doing. And so Paul said, for this reason, I left you in Crete. What reason? In order to set in order the things that are lacking. What was lacking? Well, as you go through Paul, uh, the letter of Titus, what was lacking was healthy spiritual leadership. What was lacking was healthy uh, spiritual elders, men that were, could lead these churches um, in every city. They just, Paul had left and they hadn't established elders, elders and, and, and leadership there. This was a difficult assignment for Titus. 
How would I know that it was? Well, again, if you would look into that letter, chapter 1, Paul said that there were those that contradicted. In other words, there were those that they, they came against the teachings of Paul, the doctrines of Paul. There were some that were insubordinate. What does that mean? An insubordinate would be like a person, you know, Paul or, or Titus would say, hey, I need you to do this, or, you know, you need to stop doing that or whatever. And they, this is an insubordinate person. Who are you to tell me? Who are you, man? You're just Titus. You're just a gopher for the Apostle Paul. You know, so that's an insubordinate. Failing to submit to spiritual leadership. So there were those people like that on the island. There were idle talkers. Idle talkers. Idle talkers, I, the way I think of that is people that love to talk about peripheral issues. They just, you know, some, some, something that's like not essential to salvation, but that's what they want to talk about. And that's what they're focused on. And some of those people, they just talk for the sake of being heard. They just, they just got to talk. They got to give you their opinion about stuff. To me, that's when I see idle talkers, that's what I think of. There were deceivers, probably false teachers, but also manipulators. People that would try to deceive Paul or Titus or, you know, people to, to get their way. And so there was those kind of people there on the island. Then there was the, the circumcision. The circumcision. It says, though the circumcision, they subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. Circumcision. These were Judaist legalists. These were Jewish people that came to faith in Christ but now they were trying to go back and they were trying to they were trying to basically make a gentile first turn to Judaism before you know it's great you want to become a christian but you got to be a jew first and so you got to be circumcised if you were a male you got to you follow you got to follow all the jewish customs and the festivals and and all those things and so that's what the circumcision is referring to it's basically or was basically a works based faith in other words, it wasn't just faith in Christ Jesus. It was Jesus and something else. And in this case, it was probably circumcision or something else. That continues to this day. There are people that are legalists. It's like, it's fine if you want to be saved. It's Jesus and can't go to movies. Or it's Jesus and you got to do this or whatever. That's legalism. And that's what these people were. Not only was it those kind of people that Titus had to deal with, but the Cretans the people of Crete, they had a reputation that's quoted here in verse 1. Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. So Titus had his work cut out for him. It's not like this church, man. You guys are great. I have it easy. Titus had it tough. Um, so to address all these issues in the churches of Crete, Paul left Titus there with these instructions. And as, as I was looking at this epistle, I was thinking, well, why did Paul choose Titus? What was so special about him? I mean, it's a difficult thing that Titus is getting thrust into, so to speak. So what was Titus's qualifications? Well, we don't know much about Titus outside of Scripture, but I do have this from Smith's Bible Dictionary. He, said to have, he is said to have been a permanent bishop on the island and to have died there at an advanced age. The modern capital Candia appears to claim the honor of being his burial place. So there's a few things like that that we can glean from history about, about Titus, but not a whole lot. In scripture, Titus isn't even mentioned in the book of Acts. This is why this is intriguing. I'm like, I've got to learn more about Titus. He's not even mentioned in the book of Acts. The only places where he's mentioned is in Paul's epistles. 
And from those places, because he's mentioned quite a few times, from those places we can kind of glean an idea of what his character was like. We get a picture of his character. Titus was a bondservant. I pulled that picture off of his Facebook page, by the way. So that's, yeah. Titus was a bondservant. This morning I want to look at eight characteristics of a bondservant that I think we can glean from Scripture about Titus. So first and foremost, Titus, well, a bondservant, I should say, has surrendered his or her life to Christ. Titus was probably one of Paul's uh, converts, because if you look at verse 1, Paul describes Titus as a true son in our common faith. It kind of gives the idea or the sense that Paul probably led Titus to the Lord. We also know that he was a Gentile believer. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul says this, Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Titus might have been a, you know, the same age as Timothy, possibly. Uh, Timothy, if you know, recall, he had a Jewish mother and a Greek father. And so he became a born-again believer in Christ. You know, Paul led him to the Lord, and, and he started following Paul and becoming a, a servant for Paul or just ministering alongside him. Uh, and because he had a Jewish mother and a Greek father, Paul suggested he get circumcised. So he wouldn't be a stumbling block to the Jewish people he would minister to. And so Timothy was circumcised. Titus, however, he had no Jewish blood. He was a Gentile, and he never felt compelled to be circumcised. Well, Titus was a born-again believer in Christ Jesus and a bondservant. And the reason why I bring that up is because that's an important point. It's an important point for you and I this morning because this is, this is the deal. All bondservants, are we going to, you read through scriptures, all bondservants are born-again believers. But not all born-again believers are bondservants. It's true. It's a choice that you and I have to make if I want to completely surrender my life to the Lord. It's a choice. God doesn't force you. And so all bondservants are born-again believers, but not all born-again believers are bondservants. So if you're here this morning and you're wanting to be, become a bondservant of Christ Jesus, these qualities that we're going to look at this morning that we see in the person of Titus, they need to be yours and mine as well. Well, I mentioned Galatians 2, verse 2. Backing up to Galatians 2, verse 1, Paul said this about Titus. He said, Then after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. So it's believed by many people that what Paul is referring to in Galatians 2, verse 1, is what's known as the Jerusalem Council, which is recorded in Acts chapter 15. The Jerusalem Council, what was that about? That was about... Uh, you know, so many uh, Jews were coming to faith in Christ, of course, in Jerusalem and stuff. But pretty soon, Gentiles starting to come to faith in Christ. And the Jewish guys are like, they have to get circumcised? What, what do we do? There was a, you know, what, what should we tell, you know, what do we tell the Jewish people, or the, excuse me, the Gentiles to do? What, what parts of the law do they have to follow in order to be Christians? It was a big it was a big debate. It was a big crisis, so to speak, in, in early Christianity. And so what Paul is referring to here, Titus evidently accompanied Paul and Barnabas from Antioch to Jerusalem for that council, where, that, where those issues were weighed and discussed. 
possibly, and of course scripture doesn't tell us, but it's possible he could have been exhibit A. <laughs> here's a Gentile believer, no Jewish blood in him other, he's not circumcised. Here's an example of someone who's come to faith in Christ. But think about that for a moment. Titus was there. You know, every once in a while there's times in scripture where I go, man, I wish I was there. It would have been cool to see what was going on, to hear people. You know, here, there is the time when, of course, Paul and Barnabas, they're giants in the faith. They're there at that council. Not only that, but Peter's there. Peter's the one, remember he had the vision on, on the rooftop about Gentiles coming to faith in the Lord? And, and Peter, man, one of the pillars of, of the early church, he was there. And so Titus is there. And he can hear Peter saying this, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. I mean, that's pivotal. That's a pivotal, 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 yes. It's a pivotal moment in early Christianity. And Paul, or excuse me, Titus was there. You know, he's like a fly on the wall. I'd love to be on a fly on the wall in some of those times. Not only that, but the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, James, was there. You know, they were all going back and forth and arguing. And finally, James stands up and everybody, a hush comes down on the crowd because the apostle James, I mean, the Lord's brother. And he says, you know, he's, and you, we're not going to go back into the Jerusalem council. You can read about that in Acts 15. But he makes a proclamation. And when he talks, it's like Merrill Lynch or E.F. Hutton, whatever. Everybody listens, you know. So, um, so James, but Titus was there to witness all that. And the only th way we know about it is because Paul mentioned it here. Titus never mentions it. Titus never ended up writing any memoirs. Like, you know, you can go back and find some old scroll somewhere of the memoirs of Titus. I was there. You know, you don't read that. He didn't take selfies with James. <laughs> you know, James, i got to get this, man. <laughs> you know, put his arm around him, act like he's buddies and stuff. He didn't do that. All we know about what Titus, Titus being there is what, tall, uh, excuse me, what Paul tells us. Titus never said anything else. Titus, I don't think, and I'm, I'm, I'm inferring, maybe I'm stretching a little, I don't think Titus was in love with titles. Titus didn't love titles. <laughs> he was not trying to gain recognition. What I glean, because Titus never mentions it, this is not recorded anyways, was that Titus was a humble person. And that is an important quality of a bondservant. A bondservant has to have humility. So Paul, again, I mentioned earlier, he was the servant of God, the bondservant of God, a doulos, sent by God, so he's an apostle. Titus was a servant of God and of Paul, and he was sent by Paul. Back in Acts chapter 18, verse 23, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read through. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to just mention some things. In Acts 18, 23, it's recorded how Paul left Galatia, and he spent a long time at Ephesus, and you can read that in Acts chapter 19. And he's there at Ephesus for a long time, and then he decides to go back to Macedonia, and he's on his way, and he goes through Troas, and on his way, uh, when he gets to Troas, he's expecting, or he's hoping anyways, to see Titus there. They're going to meet there at Troas. What does that tell us? Well, Paul had sent Titus on a mission to Corinth. We know we can get that from Scripture. But when he got to Troas, he didn't find Titus there. Listen how Paul describes it. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus my brother. But taking leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. 
Now, he wasn't his physical brother. That word brother, Adelphos, it generally denotes a fellowship of life based on identity of origin. For example, you know, I have two brothers. We, we come from the same mother and father, you know. So they're members of the same family. That is a brother. Or the same tribe. You know, people call themselves brothers or countrymen, uh, so forth. One of the same nature, a fellow man, was regarded as a brother. So Paul is regarding Titus as a brother. And here's the third point, or the third characteristic. A bondservant ministers with the same heart and the same purpose as their master. They have the same goal. Titus ministered with the same heart and purposes Paul. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying it in the sense of a cult, okay? Because there are people that follow their leaders, you know, follow the leader, and they, you know, in, in cults, and they get into all kinds of weird stuff. I have known some people that are spiritual leaders who were bullies, and who were, you know, tyrants, basically, and they're sarcastic and stuff, and, and what do you know? The people that follow them, they're just like they're, they're But that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm referring to. Paul said something interesting in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. He said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Now, can you say that to somebody? Hey, follow me, man, because I follow. Look at my life, and, you know, I follow Christ, so you can follow what I do. That's a tough thing. Paul had the heart and the mind of Christ. Paul cared about what the Lord cared about. Paul looked at things and, as, and at people the same way Jesus Christ did. Paul had the same heart and purpose as the Lord. Titus had the same heart and purpose as Paul did. And so by extension, he had the same heart and purpose of the Lord. That's what you call healthy spiritual reproduction. I like what Pastor Chuck used to say, healthy sheep beget healthy sheep. And there's an example of it right here. Check out some more references to Titus by Paul in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 16. But thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. Cared about the same things that Paul cared about. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 23. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and my fellow worker concerning you. Hey, my partner. Can you imagine if Paul said that, hey, Don Ripster there in Rochester, man, he's my partner. He's got, we get the same, we think the same, we do the same. He's my man, you know. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 18. I urged Titus and sent our brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did, uh, did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? Well, Titus was just like Paul. Paul was just like Christ. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. I've mentioned this before, but an ambassador, you know, they go to a country. If you become a, an ambassador to the United States and you go to some foreign country, when you speak, you're speaking for the full authority of, of the president of the United States, of your government, and your voice is the voice of the government. And so you're basically saying what the government's saying. You're representing the government to whatever, wherever you're at as an ambassador. An ambassador represents those who sent them. Paul says, you and I as believers, we are ambassadors for Christ. And so wherever Paul ministered, it was as if Christ was there ministering. 
because he was just representing Christ. He was saying whatever Christ would say. He had the same heart that Christ had. He had the same response that Christ had. Titus ministered as if Paul was present. There was no personal hidden agenda. You know, I've been been a pastor now for over 20 years, and uh, I've had people, I've, I've given people opportunities to minister in my absence, and sometimes I've come back and find, found out, man, they had this agenda. They, 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 they ran with it, you know, and they had their own thing going on and stuff and, and uh, promoting their own agenda. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm never going to use that person again. I, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm gun shy now at that point. That wasn't the case with Titus. Well, going on here with Paul, Paul had founded the church at Corinth. We know that. You can read, read all about that in the book of Acts and, of course, in the letters of Corinthians. He ministered there for a year and a half at Corinth. And after he left, like I mentioned before, you know, these epistles that we read, they're basically issues that rose up in the church and say, Paul, how do we address this? Well, after he left, some serious problems arose in the church in Corinth. You can read all about that in 1 Corinthians. One of them was sexual immorality, and it wasn't being addressed in a scriptural way. And so Paul sent Timothy to deal with them. And you can read that. That's recorded there in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 17. And then he wrote the letter that we call 1 Corinthians, was, was that letter. Unfortunately, things didn't improve after Paul's first letter. And so evidently, Paul had to make a painful visit. It's described in 2 Corinthians 1. Paul had to make a, a painful visit to Corinth to confront those troublemakers. He then wrote a severe letter, which was delivered by Titus. That's in 2 Corinthians 2, 4, 9. I've got some other passages. What I'm getting at was Titus was Paul's errand boy. He was his gopher. As Paul was an apostle who was sent, so Titus was sent to Corinth. And by the way, Corinth was a really, it's like going to San Francisco or something. You know, it's kind of like if you could kind of wrap your mind around like what Corinth was like. It wasn't a fun trip. It wasn't a boondoggle, as we call a boondoggle in the military. You know, where you go and there's a fun thing to go do. Um, it wasn't a boondoggle. It wasn't a fun missionary trip. Uh, Titus was carrying a very harsh, severe letter from Paul to the Corinthians. But here's the deal. A bondservant has to be available to be sent anywhere. It doesn't matter. Difficult or easy, it just doesn't matter. You know, as a pastor, my greatest joy, of course, to see people come to faith in the Lord, that's the greatest joy. Second greatest joy is when people come here and go, Pastor, if there's anything I can do, man, just, I, I want to be, I want, just want to, I want to be used. It doesn't matter what, just give me something to do. And, and every once in a while, those, those people come, and I'm like, thank you, Lord, for those people. I've also had people say, hey, if you ever need help with something, just give me a call. I'm, I'm, I'm there, man. And then sometimes, not always, but sometimes I call someone and uh, they're unavailable. Or, you know, it's not really convenient. You know, they, they, they want to serve, but, you know, I, I'll, I'll give you this time. I can serve this, you know, that's it. You know, I'm just when it's convenient for me. Or I'll say, hey, do you mind doing this? I'm like, oh, man, I'm not really called to that. <laughs> that's a good answer usually. I'm not called to that. You know, it's like, ah, I don't know. Um, a bond servant is a slave by choice, but they're still a slave. You know, a slavery, that's, of course, that's a, that's a really a tough subject. People don't want to hear about that. Uh, the reality is that there were slaves. I doubt any slave in history had a choice of where they were going to serve, 
what they were going to do or how they were going to do because they were a slave. <laughs> they just did what their master told them. A bondservant is a slave. They have to be available to be sent anywhere, no matter what the circumstance is. Again, I'm, I'm just going to refer back to 2 Corinthians 2, verse 13. Paul said, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus my brother. Why did he have no rest in his spirit? Again, you know, Paul had sent that severe letter, and he wanted to find out, man, how did, did they receive it? Has there been a change of heart? Back in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul describes all the hardships of ministry that he went through. And, you know, sometimes when, I, when I'm tending to complain about ministry, you know, I had to work a couple extra hours, I had to go do this, you know, and, and then I go read Paul's letter, what he had to do, and I'm like, man, I am a lightweight <laughs> when it comes to Paul. But he, he gives us a list of all these things that he endured. And then at the end of that list, in verse 28, verse 29, he says, Besides the other things, all these things that he had endured, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I'm not weak. Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. You know, Paul, when he had to, he said the tough things. But man, it pained him to do that. And he wanted to know, man, I want to know if it's received. So he's anxiously waiting to find out from Titus how things will go. And that's in, uh, that was in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Then Paul goes out kind of on a tangent. He goes into all his doctrine until chapter 7. And in chapter 7, he picks up that narrative again. In verse 5 of chapter 7, he says, For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears, Verse 6, nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comfort us, comforted us by the coming of Titus. I, I, I love that. Titus was a bringer of joy. Man, Titus is here. Whew, what a relief. A bondservant, this is the fifth point, a bondservant needs to be joyful. Needs to be joy. Listen, do you bring joy when you show up in a room? Or when you show up in a room, do people have to walk on eggshells because they're afraid to, you know, I don't want to upset that person, you know, stuff. We've had people ministering here before at our fellowship, and, you know, and, and it's interesting. We, we had one individual here that, you know, the guy wasn't a mean guy or anything, but, you know, you had to kind of tiptoe around him. And, so I, and, and I didn't even realize I was tiptoeing around him until he got mad once and left. And after he left, it's like, man, what a blessed subtraction. It's like this weight was lifted off of me. I'm like, I had not realized how much of a downer this person was. Uh, really, I mean, a nice guy. I love the person, you know. But he, was a, he didn't bring joy. <laughs> Do you bring joy when you come into the room? People go, oh, man, here we go again. Here's that person. A bondservant brings joy. Titus brought joy. Verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 7, Paul says, And not only by his coming, so his coming brought joy, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. In other words, not only did Titus bring joy by just showing up. Man, I'd love to be that person. I walk into the room, people go, oh man, I'm so thankful you're here. Not only did he bring joy wherever he went, but he also comforted Paul by bringing good news about the reaction of the Corinthians. 
It says, he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice even more. In verse 13 of 2 Corinthians 7, he says, therefore, we have been comforted in your comfort. He's writing to the Corinthians, of course. And we rejoice exceedingly more for the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For if in anything I have boasted to him about you, I'm not ashamed. But as we all spoke things to you in truth, even so our boasting to Titus was found true. And this is the key. In verse 15, And his affections are greater for you as he remembers the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. Titus loved the fact that they responded. That they that they were they that they were changing that they were repenting that they were they were turning their hearts back and that is another key point a bond servant loves what is good in fact we're even told in first corinthians thirteen six love does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth so Titus is the bringer of bad news the bringer of judgment to the Corinthians and they were they were they needed to be corrected and so Paul assigns Titus that task he goes he brings this letter and they respond and it just blesses Titus's heart he's like all right and he comes back and he tells Paul Titus was not like Jonah you remember Jonah the prophet in the Old Testament he was the bringer of bad news too and then he sat on a rock and was like man I'm waiting for these guys to get it (laughs) you know I just can't wait he got bummed out because God didn't judge them because they did repent but that's not Titus. Titus loved what is good, and, and that's what a bondservant needs to do. They need to love what's good. Another thing that we see, and I'm just going to allude to it, is that in Corinth, it appears that Titus was also in kind of responsible, or, or he assisted in the weekly collection of, of money, basically, um, for the poor saints back in Jerusalem. There was a famine in Jerusalem. There was persecution going on in Jerusalem. And so the Gentile churches, Paul would go around and was collecting funds, basically, to go back to bless the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. Titus, evidently, was one of the people that was in charge or organized the weekly collections. In other words, he handled money. He handled money. And, you know, Crete's not like you can just walk to Crete. There's, it's an island <laughs> out in the middle of Mediterranean. Mediterranean. Titus was left by Paul on an, isolated, on an isolated island in an unsupported position. Titus is the one that had to do all this stuff that we'll read about in, the, in Paul's letter in Titus. Why would he do that? Because Titus was trustworthy. And that is very important. A bondservant needs to be trustworthy. Paul trusted Titus. He trusted him with handling this ministry that was going on, a difficult ministry. Titus is the man for the job. Titus can do it. Titus was trustworthy when it came to funds. How do you gain people's trust? I just tell them, you got to trust me, man, trust me. You tell them how honest you are? You know the way you gain people's trust? Is by being trustworthy, worthy of trust. How do you be worthy of trust? By being faithful. Just faithful in whatever is given to you to do, whatever task. Faithful even in the little things. Jesus said this, Luke 16, verse 10, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust also in much. And faithfulness. 
That's a quality that's it's, it's, it's kind of lacking a little bit in the church today. It's people that are just faithful, faithful to love the Lord, faithful to grow in their walks, but faithful to just in ministry and being, being part of the body. Lastly, and this is the last characteristic, Titus evidently fulfilled his mission at Crete, and it appears to be that he was at, with Paul at Rome when he wrote 2 Timothy at some point. And in 2 Timothy, this is Paul's last letter. He knows he's going to be executed, and uh, he's really in, he's in a dungeon now, and it's not a pleasant thing. He, you know, he's pretty much by himself at this point. He talks about a guy by the name of Demas that left him, forsaken the world. You know, Demas is this guy that was ministering alongside. He just, he flaked out and he left. And then he also mentions that Titus had departed from Dalmatia. Now, some people look at that and go, oh, Titus must have blown it and stuff. I don't think so. I really don't. Because Titus had such a good reputation throughout the New Testament, throughout Paul's epistles. It just, I think he just was sent by, Ty, by Paul to, uh, to Dalmatia. I don't think it was a negative thing. This is my last point. Titus was not only available, but he was flexible. Flexible. A bondservant needs to be flexible. Could you imagine? You know, here Paul sent Titus, you know, left Titus to do all this work there in Crete. And people are responding. It's a tough job, but, you know, he, there's starting to be some fruit. He's got some elders in place and pastors at different places, and things are starting to really come together. Ministry's good. People are growing. He's seeing people repenting and stuff. And then Paul says, oh, I want you to go to this place. How tempting would it have been for Titus to say, hey, man, I got a thing. That, you know, send someone else, man. I, I really feel called here, you know. Send someone else. You know, there's a similar situation to that in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 8. Philip. Philip has got a, an amazing ministry in Samaria. And people are coming. To, the church in Samaria is growing. And he's, it's, just, it's just like he's got work to do. He's busy in ministry. And yet, the Spirit of the Lord sends him to a desolate road which goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. There's nobody there. Well, you know, he's leave, he leaves a very, very successful, very busy ministry to go out on some desert road. Well, of course, God knows what he's doing. And he met that the uh, Ethiopian eunuch. You, know, you guys know the story. Ethiopian eunuch came to faith, was baptized, went back to Ethiopia, probably shared the gospel with people there. And, you know, God's kingdom is expanding. A bondservant needs to be flexible, too. So again, I asked that question in earlier. This this uh, earlier is: Are you a bond servant? Well, listen. If you consider yourself one, because I like I said, I could go around the room and say, "Are you a bond servant?" Yeah, I'm a bond servant. Well, this is a pretty good litmus test, I think. Are you these? Do you have these characteristics in your heart in your life? Do you exhibit these? The other thing is: Do you want to be a bond servant? Maybe maybe you've never you've never got to that point where I don't want to completely surrender myself to the Lord. Well, if you do, this is what a bond servant looks like. You know, we're to we're to count the cost when we do things. Well, next week we're going to be digging into chapter one of Titus, and we're going to be looking at some other requirements. And I think that'll be good. It'll be a, I'm excited to teach that as well. So that's next week. I'll go ahead and have the worship team come on up. 
half of our worship team is in here, so the, the, us guys come on up. <laughs> um, Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, as we just kind of looked at this morning, the life of Titus, from what we can glean from Paul's epistles, Lord, it seems like he was someone that Paul just trusted, Paul loved. And uh, Lord, it just looks like Titus was a bondservant. And Titus was willing to be sent anywhere to do whatever. And... uh, Titus was willing to take a back seat, to not get recognition for the things that he did. And, and yet, Lord, when we read of what he did, that was an important job to straighten out the situation on the island of Crete. Lord, we thank you for his life. We thank you for the example. And Lord, I would pray for each one of us here this morning. Lord, I pray for those of us that are born-again believers in Jesus Christ. Lord, that we wouldn't just be born-again believers, but that we would also be bondservants. Lord, that that we we would desire that in our lives, Lord, to surrender to you, to allow you to be the master over everything in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray you would help us with that. I pray you would fill us with your Holy Spirit to enable us to do those things that, Lord, we really, we desire to do, but sometimes we just struggle. Lord, that's when we need your Spirit to fill us and to empower us for those things. And so, Lord, I would pray for that for each one of us here this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you guys want to stand up, and we'll sing the last worship song.